0: Hi, I'm Margot. Hey, I'm Abby. Thank you so much for joining us on the Anxiety Warriors podcast.
1: We have anxiety and we believe that our anxious feelings make us stronger people. One of our superpowers is being open, loving, and curious with ourselves.
0: Yeah, we're all just doing the best we can, one moment at a time, one breath at a time. And we're so glad you're on this journey of life with us. Here's the show. Welcome back warriors. Woo-hoo! We are so excited to um, be talking to one of the most dynamic, sweet, amazing young women. Um, her name is Anvita Prasad and she was just such a fun guest. Yeah. Yes. Totally fun. I would definitely say that
1: is a great word to describe our interview with her.
0: Yeah, she's just energized and she seems to really know herself. Ah. And so before we get into our conversation with her, let me tell you a little bit about her. Anvita is a student at the GWU School of Business, concentrating in international business and marketing while minoring in sustainability. She has international experiences with her venture, Circle of Giving, whose mission is to provide economic independence for underserved and indigenous artisans. Circle of Giving works with Chapatna artisans in Karnataka, India, and raises awareness about their craft by hosting workshops and consultations while selling the art and giving a portion of the proceeds back to their community. Additionally, Anvitha has consulting experience with MZZ Ventures at GWU, where she has worked in teams to provide marketing and financial recommendations to international organizations. Through these experiences, she is passionate about the intersectionality between sustainability and innovation and the mindfulness that is needed to make this possible as well.
1: Yeah, so this conversation was uh, super fun, like we just said a moment ago. She is just like such a life and she brings so much joy into sharing this story of anxiety. So Anvitha really talks about how she noticed her anxiety start in school, in middle school and high school, mostly because she was in a very competitive school. And I feel like many of us can really relate to what it's like being in competition with your peers and trying to stand out. It just sounds extremely stressful. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what was really, what was really wonderful um, it sounds like is that she was just so, supported by her family. When she was noticing um, anxiety and stress and even panic, it was like her family that showed up with her and helped her navigate it. And one of the other really like fun parts of the conversation is, you know, she is 20 years old and she already just has such a strong foundation of strategies to use when she notices anxiety arising. And also just really being aware and reflective of what her narrative is telling her and so I feel like this conversation is really inspiring uh, to give us hope for all the younger anxiety warriors out there but also you know it doesn't matter what age it is like these tools work for everyone the ability to reframe your thoughts and 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 affirm what's great about you and so yeah I hope you all enjoy the conversation
0: yes enjoy everyone Welcome to the podcast, Anvitha Prasad. We are so excited to have you. How are you doing today? Good. How are you guys doing? We are really good. We're super, super excited that you agreed to be on the podcast with us. And uh, so yeah, let's get started. Uh, You feeling good? Yeah, I'm excited for this. This is the highlight of my day. Love to hear that. All right. So Let's just kick it off with the question that uh, we've been asking all of our guests so far, which is just, if you wouldn't mind, share with us a little bit about your anxiety story.
2: So my anxiety story really stems from when I was in middle school and high school. For reference, I'm in college now, so it wasn't too long ago, even though it feels like years ago. Um, and I think one of the major things was the environment of my school and my what I wanted to do versus what I felt about myself. So, a little backstory I'm just in general a very competitive person, not in like a toxic way. Um, but I, do, I am very competitive, but my school um, on the other hand was very competitive in a very toxic way. Um, for example, like if you weren't taking um, a certain amount of AP classes or honors classes, people would sort of look down at you. Um, and that's not really the greatest environment to be learning in. So it's, I sort of developed this complex where I was scared to try new things. And if I did try new things, I had to guarantee that I'd be immediately good at it. Um, and I'm the kind of person who likes trying new things. I like uh, exploring different avenues, different ways. For example, like in middle school, um, I try to do fencing and that was one of the biggest moments of anxiety for me. Um, I, I think I watched a movie and I saw someone sword fighting and I'm like, let's do fencing now. So that's the kind of person I am too. Um, so when I went, um, Keep in mind, I was a beginner, right? I was also starting later in the game. than a lot of people who were there who were already my who were my age, but had been working at fencing and doing fencing for years. Um, but I, just because of the environment of my school, I sort of compared my, I did compare myself to a lot of these people, which was not a fair comparison. And it was just not healthy at all. Um, and I know I used to have panic attacks um, going to fencing, um, and it was just, I remember my mom's a doctor and she's like, Amita, you're literally having a panic attack now. I'm like, wait, what? And that's where I kind of first heard the term panic attack, and I, I realized how much panic can harm you, uh, both physically and mentally. Um, so that was a little bit about just my first experience with anxiety, um, and then my second was more on like an academic side. Um I sort of gave you a description of my high school. So I was actually failing a class sophomore year. Um, And I had a lot of health issues along with that. So all of that kind of culminated around the stress I was dealing with. And for this one class that I was failing, there'd be a quiz maybe every week or a test every two weeks. And I would know the subject and I would know it really well. And my parents were super supportive. They helped me and walked me through everything. And they're like, you know this. But when I'd get to the quiz or the test, I would freeze and I wouldn't be able to do it. And I just, it it would be a nightmare situation almost. Um, So that was sort of my second kind of pivot with anxiety. It wasn't as much as a panic attack, but it just definitely was, I was frozen. and then the anxiety on a social setting was more of going to college and having that change, um, sort of fitting into a new environment. Um, I know a lot of people struggled with their first year of college, their first semester, and I was super scared about that fitting in, whether this was the right school for me. But I guess from that angle, it worked out. I should say everything worked out um, at the end. Um, but yeah, those are sort of my small little experiences with anxiety.
1: Yeah, there's, there's, there's so many different parts like that I want to hit on because I feel like there's so many important parts. Like the first part is, um, school, right? Like, like school starts, like from the time we're like five years old, we learn that our peers who should be our community, should be our sources of support, um, are our competition, right? So from a very early age, it starts us, first of all, like pitting ourselves against each other. Um, And then the other part is the kids that naturally do well at stuff are praised for doing well. And the kids that are learning (laughs) the newness of stuff and practicing all of a sudden, like, learn like, oh, I'm not good enough or, oh, I can't do this or, and they miss out on this growth mindset, which is what you were talking about with fencing, you know, like kids so often see adults doing everything and they're like, oh, I can't do it. So I must suck (laughs) when it's like, no, we're all kids and we're learning and we're growing and we're all on this, this, you know, journey of becoming human and learning as we go um, so I find that part, like, so important is, like, schools are meant to encourage learning, schools are meant to ideally encourage community, and they miss that piece by by having these competitive atmospheres where people are tearing each other down, and it's impacting our mental health. Um, and then the other part, which, you know, I just feel like on a, on a relational level, both Margot and I can very much relate to the anxiety of going to school and margot talked about it in an episode and i talked about how i got really sick before going off to college and how that has both spiked our anxiety too and i think that's a very um you know just relevant for everybody like making such a huge change really um can just bring up so many different emotions and like we don't learn how to cope with such a big movement like going to school, you know, and leaving the environment you're comfortable with and stepping outside that comfort zone to new people, new ways of learning, (laughs) new ways of being competitive with each other. Like,
0: there's like so much in that story. Yeah, I totally could relate to all of that too. I didn't go to a competitive school really, but I, and I never had a competitive gene in me. I didn't, I didn't play sports as a kid. I was very like anti-competition. My parents never pushed me into Uh, sports or anything competitive because it didn't drive me it didn't excite me um and so i could definitely uh relate to the anxiety part about school but at the same time i think my anxiety stemmed from just all the internal pressures which is sort of what i was hearing from you too right like you noticed that you were the one kind of putting this on yourself yes there's the culture there's the toxicity there's this community that you're supposed to be able to grab onto that really wasn't supportive of you and maybe anybody really Even those kids that were really, really great at fencing, right? Maybe some of them didn't like fencing but their parents (laughs) were forcing them into it. Or, you know, that's part of the problem too is that nobody really knows anybody's story and no one's really talking about it from a young age kind of like what Abby just said. It's just so interesting the way family dynamics and school culture and community and our own heads can really contribute to this this broader picture of anxiety. All right, well. What I'm dying to know is tell us a little bit about how anxiety manifested itself in your mind and body. Oh my God. It is just so many ways. But one point before I get to that to add
2: is um, when you were talking about, how it's in competitiveness is ingrained in how we're taught. We're taught about competitiveness. Like we have to beat each other. Well, not physically beat each other, but like beat each other out or like we have to be the top, yeah. but no one ever teaches you that you part of um, competitiveness is to learn from other people. So it's about your own personal growth. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that toxic way. And I think I learned that with my parents and when I got to college. So that's another part. But to get to your other point, your question about how it manifested itself, um, both physical and like just emotional. I would be, when I was stressed, I would just be a lot more angrier. I'm, a, I'm generally a happy person. I like looking at things optimistically. But when I was stressed, I'd, I would, uh, God, I would be in such a dark space where I'd just be angry all the time, be wound up very tight. I'd um, also lose all my self-confidence um, also um, and my self-esteem. I a lot of times people, positive affirmations have really helped me right now, but I didn't really have that much of a concept of. Uh, positive affirmations. Um, so it was literally negative <laughs> affirmations for me <laughs> during those moments, like, Oh my God, what are you doing? You suck. And I'm like, well, okay, I, I got to take it at this point. Cause like, let's say I would have failed something. Um, so that wasn't really healthy. And then from the physical side, um, I would eat unhealthier foods. Um, I don't know why I just may- crave it more. Um, maybe cause I'm just like, you know what, it's been a long day. You deserve that insert unhealthy junk food that will hurt me um and that's okay once in a while right but like I was like always doing this um and then it also affected my hormones because I was also like middle school and high school as well um not to get like super super graphic but like at that time I was failing my course I hadn't gotten my period for like four months and then I got it for one and a half months straight yeah. so like it really like that also messed with my mood mood and um just how I was behaving too. Um, so those are the many different ways it manifests. So I think what's important for people to take away is that yes, there's stress and anxiety can affect you emotionally, but if you, but it can also affect you physically too. Yeah. And it kind of creeps up on you. Cause I didn't realize I had gained that much weight and how much, like how much it really affected me physically until I tried to like t- try on a top from the year before and it just wouldn't fit. Um, so, and that was like a moment where like, oh my
1: God, that's, that's uh, I was just
2: like, oh, that's really rough. And I got to cha-
1: make some changes here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the one thing like that stuck out to me just in, in what you're saying was that negative self-talk, because I can so relate to that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like there's, there's the like, whatever happens, the situation, the experience that happens. And then there's like the layer of us just totally beating ourselves up over it and making it extra worse. And then believing that it's true. Like, yeah, I totally suck. That's right. I do suck. Like, (laughs) Right. So there's that piece. And like, I mean, I just, you know, I didn't learn about self-talk until like my late twenties. So the fact that you are already aware of self-talk and how it impacts you is like huge. Right. I feel like the more people can be aware of how their narrative in their mind impacts how they show up in the world, it's like so much can change. Um, but the other thing was like the aha moment where like, you didn't even realize maybe how stressed you were and how much you were like taking it out on your body until you tried on that shirt and you're like, wait a second, what? <laughs> who is this person? Like, what is going on? Um, and it's, it's always so interesting how we all have different aha moments, but it brings us to this like realization, like, wait, something is wrong. Something is not working the way it should be,
0: right? Like you need to come to that moment in order for you to, I shouldn't say snap out of it, but like be able to meet yourself where you are, right? To be able to truly look in the mirror. I I mean that metaphorically, I mean, and I guess, you know, physically as well, looking at yourself, if, if that was a part, something you notice in your body changing, um, but yes, it's like Abby just said, when you hit that aha moment, it's okay. I'm fully aware of the situation now, right? And so maybe it's something that we can reach a little bit of gratitude for at the end of the day is to be able to say, wow, I'm actually really glad that I had this moment because now I can move forward yeah. and seek support or find those tools that are gonna help me. And I agree with that. I mean, so how you're how old are you, Anvita? Can you just remember? I'm 20. That? Twenty, yeah, right, and I got so got a sense of twinkles. Come on, twenty and like aware of negative self-talk, like <laughs> right. It really is amazing, and it makes me so hopeful. Right, for people that are in school right now that are talking about this and comfortable talking about this, um, and that's one of the reasons why Abby and I wanted to create this space is so people can feel free to be really honest about really natural, normal human experiences that many of us deal with and don't necessarily have a space to talk about it. So, I mean, so many twinkles for the positive reframing and, and learning, like I'm talking to myself like like I'm terrible when I'm not terrible. And just being able to recognize I lost all my self-confidence, that's huge too, right? Mm-hmm. So amazing. Uh, you had mentioned a little bit in our call before we were recording um, about having such an amazing support system in your family, specifically from your parents. Can you share with us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, when you, when you guys were talking about how I, like, um, I'm able to sort of realize and have that epiphany, I mean, it wasn't just me. Uh, I can't take all the credit. It was my support system as well. My parents, I think, were really at this point, at that point in my time, my rock, Um, they never judged or criticized me in any way they were very supportive Um, and although they might have not completely understood what I was going through because they are from they grew up in India they had a whole set of different issues um, and different anxieties that they went through um, comparatively to me they still were Supportive, and they still try did try to understand and try to help to the best of their ability, and they they really did help. Um, I think. But my mom, I remember what my mom used to do is like sometimes when I was feeling down, she would send me positive affirmations or um, just small little poems to brighten my day. And back then, I'd be like, Ma, stop it! You're embarrassing me. But it really did help. <laughs> um, and my dad, like when I was in that class, he would sit through with me after he came back from work and work through every problem with me. And he would talk about how he would handle his anxiety in India, even though he didn't really, again, label it anxiety Um, and how he also struggled through it. And he, what my parents really did was they're like, Anita, you're literally like 16, you're a sophomore in high school. This is not the end all. Like there's different types of intelligence there's um, different, your you have your strengths. You, these are your strengths. And uh, we shouldn't have to tell you this, but we are going to, and we want you to help, try to discover it for yourself too. Um, and we're just so proud of you regardless. And I think that really, really, that was like, oh, that was so nice. Um, and my mom's also a doctor too. Um, so she, as much as she could have like easily diagnosed me um, and just sort of, she she did it in a way where it was like like i feel like if she would have diagnosed me at that time it would have added extra pressure and anxiety to me because though labeling something can be so good um it could also be a cause of a lot of anxiety um as well so she did it in a way where she told me uh when i was feeling a little better about myself and then we were able to work on something health-wise that I can get better. Um, And really, they both, both my parents held my hand through the process, which was just really sweet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, something that emerges, I feel like, in a lot of conversations around anxiety is what helps us get through is community. And it's either our family or it's our friends, Um, but it's people just companioning us, right? Like not judging us for having these thoughts, these feelings, the, you know, um, but companioning those moments and, and supporting us and loving us even when we don't feel our best. Um, I also really like this point part where you're like, my mom didn't diagnose me, right? Because you are like, I can totally relate to like, huh, if I was diagnosed with anxiety in high school, part of me would have been like, oh my gosh, this explains everything, right? But the other part of me might've been like, oh my God, I have anxiety. What does that mean? You know, is this anxiety? Am I having anxiety right now? Wait. (laughs) And then like just constantly trying to fix it. And then, and then that defining me. Right. So I love this, like understanding what was showing up. Right. And it didn't have to be labeled, but there was tools that could support you.
0: Yeah. And I love to, what I kind of want to drive home is when you, that you said also about your mom, that she was able to talk to you about what she noticed happening when you were through it. So like, yeah. not while you are necessarily in a heated or hot moment or in the thick of your anxiety or whatever it is you were experiencing, she was able to sort of maybe be with you through it. And then when you were in a better frame of mind, come up with, okay, well, let's talk about that experience. Right. And, and, and now maybe we can find ways to notice that experience before it happens. And so um, that's, kind of gonna, that's kind of going to lead me into this next question, which is what are or were um, some of your coping strategies and how has your life changed since using these strategies? I know you've mentioned, you know, positive reframing and affirmations, but like maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the stuff you're doing that's helping you.
2: So I'm still doing it now where I try to do it as much as I can. I think uh, during that time, deep breathing really helped. Um, and my mom really like uh, I've taken actually a couple medica med not medication meditation classes <laughs> since that that point and they've really been helpful. Um, I think um, I remember we we went we did some acupuncture too and that was super super helpful. Um, uh, and just uh, trying different I think really changing around my diet too helped a lot um, and exercising. Um, In a sense that was helpful for me again there's also that complex with dieting and exercising where it can really hurt you but we did it in a way where it was just like what is the best food for you to eat now and what is the best way you can exercise now like what makes you feel good um so for me um i danced but dancing wasn't necessarily making me feel good um, because i did ballet and when, you're, when you've gained a couple pounds and you just stuff yourself into a leotard and tights, it's not going to be good for your self-esteem either. Um, so I started eating a lot more home-cooked food, which just made me feel better. Um, and I also took up some running too. Um, I don't really run as much anymore, Um, but I remember running a lot junior and senior year of high school and I really, really enjoyed it. I would just, especially outside, I could never, never do it on the treadmill. I hate the treadmill. Um, So I'd run outside and my mom also made sure to be, on the other hand, be like, you can eat a little, you can eat this cookie, like don't restrict yourself. Or she'd be like stop running this much. You have to run less. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not healthy. So she also made sure I didn't overdo it, which I think was really good because another thing, once you hit that realization that you're not doing it right, there's a tendency to go to the other extreme, which is not good in itself. So um, there was that aspect. And I think I really like immersing myself more in art now, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's looking at art, wearing art, um, or just... Painting, I think, is a huge one for me. And drawing, um, especially when I'm stressed, I, I, I really love doing that. It really calms me down.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I actually went through like an art period too where I, I've never learned how to do watercolor. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I just got into watercolor and making watercolor cards. And, you know, like I just like, and that was soothing to me at one point in my life. Um, but I I share that because like what I'm hearing is, you've had many different strategies along the ways and when they work, they work. But sometimes you also realize like, Hey, my strategy has to change. My practice has to change. Or even though dance is exercise, it's actually not supporting me. Um, And so just being able to go with the flow in what is nourishing you and helping you um, with your well-being. So I, I think that's so awesome that you have your strategies, but you also know like, you're not attached to one, you're willing to like try multiple ones to see what fits. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, and in, your, in our call, you had mentioned also um, this aspect of choosing, of choice. And I would really love for you to um, talk a little bit about that if you can just, again, where Abby and I are always big proponents of, of uh, reminding each other, reminding uh, all of the warriors out there that we have so much agency over our experience. Um, and that I thought that was a really powerful part of our conversation. Can you tell everyone a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, of course. So it actually kind of goes along with one of the, um, not as much affirmation, but intention that I always tell myself before I go to sleep, and it's um, you can't control um, others' actions, but you can control your own reaction, Um, and that kind of goes along the idea that like kind of tying it back to what I said at the beginning about liking to try new things, but always being scared uh, to not be the best, right? At that point, like taking kind of moving out and being like, hey, let me look at the big picture here. I'm trying something new. This is for me and this is not for anybody else. And who cares if that person thinks that I suck at this? Like is, they don't matter. They're not the ones who are going to go home and constantly think about what's like, like, micro manage and um, over analyze what they did right or wrong. Um, so I think kind of taking that into account of all my anxiety experiences, I've sort of one of the ways I've come to the realization that I am actually anxious is if I realize that I've allowed other people to have the remote of my emotions. That's something my mom always says, don't give other people the remote to your emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sort of goes along the lines of, hey, if someone's laughing at me, who cares? I'm having fun, I feel good, and this is how I get my peace.
1: Yes. It just, it sounds like such an act of self-love, even though that language wasn't used at all, right? It's like, this is who I am and my inner peace is more important than anything else. And so this is the way that I'm showing up and I'm not going to let the external stuff impact me in negative ways because my peace and myself is the most important thing. That's beautiful.
0: Yeah. agreed, love it. Um So what would you say is your relationship to your anxiety these days? So I think during the pandemic, it's been a kind of
2: different approach um, I've had to take. um, I think right now, anxiety for me is, again, more along the lines of not being, rather thinking and caring about what other people think. It's rather like trying to control what I can control and realizing that I can't control external forces, whether, again, that might be people, it's not much as much people, but just with everything going on as well. Um, And just being in control of myself. Um, I think during the pandemic, I've been a lot more, again, what happens with anxiety, just a lot more moody, irritable, um, and trying to be in control of my own emotions and who I am. Um, And I feel like at some point of the pandemic, I was in such a weird dark place that I even forgot who I was like I I did not like myself that didn't mean I didn't love myself I just didn't like who my myself was at that time um and sort of realizing what I need to do to get back to liking myself and loving myself
1: (laughs) yeah you know I I I really feel like you know, all emotions are communicating something. And when we constantly have unpleasant emotions, like that's information, like, wait a second, this isn't, this isn't who I am. So it's time for me to figure out, you know, what's going on so that I show the love for my support, but also, you know, I like myself again, because I have to be with me all the time. <laughs> like
0: yeah. yeah. And I just have to send so many twinkle fingers, so much sparkle and shine your way, because just the idea of, Uh, Being 20 years old, thinking back to my 20 year old self, having this kind of just like reflection tool, didn't, never had it, didn't have it at that. I mean, so it's just, again, it gives me so much light and hope around uh, discussing these types of issues, these types of um, experiences for Anyone, anyone at any age, right? Right. But if you can learn some of these skills and start to internalize some of these ideas from a younger age, Mm -hmm. you're gonna be that much better off for it. Even when you are, you know, 60 years old or older and still experiencing anxiety as us warriors, probably gonna be living with it forever, right? (laughs) And that's why we have to befriend it and get to know ourselves and learn to like as we love ourselves. So I think that's just so incredible. So what advice would you give if you could go back in time and give your younger self a little piece of advice, what would it be?
2: I would say just go have fun. Like, don't really, don't care about, like, don't really care about who's watching you um, and what they're saying, Um, but just, just to have fun. I know it seems so basic, but I think, I think knowing my younger self, I would have been like, okay, you're kind of cool (laughs) as an older person. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, a few times you've said, and it all worked out. Right. And so I feel like that ties into have fun because it's going to work out. Right. Like you keep seeing like that things work out, like the stress isn't worth it. It still works out. So just go have fun. Like, I, I love that. You're right. It's simple, but it's such a hard thing for so many of us to do is lighten up and have some fun.
0: It's a reminder to try to anchor to the present moment, right? Because <laughs> fun is now, right? I mean, you can yeah. remember a time that you had fun or hope for fun in the future, but fun to me, when I hear that word anyway, and Abby and I talk a lot about language and how each person hears it a little differently. Fun is here. It's it's in your body. It's in your thoughts. It's in your feelings right now. Um, so I love that advice. I, I'm i going to give that myself that advice right now. Yeah. For <laughs> real, yeah. For real. All right. So final question before we get into some lightning round questions for you. What does it mean to you to be an anxiety warrior? Or what does anxiety warrior mean to you?
2: Um, When I first heard that term, it kind of, it felt like a community. um, And it felt uh, anxiety is always sort of associated. um, And it's, I hate when it is with someone who's just who is weaker, quote unquote, which I really don't like. So the idea that you're a warrior is you're strong and you're fighting. Um, So being an anxiety warrior, it's sort of like uh, wearing your quote unquote weakness on your sleeve and Mm. wearing it as a strength and Mm. as a badge. So that's what I sort of thought of as an anxiety warrior. So I thought, hey, I can be like that too. So that's what I associate
0: anxiety warrior with. Yeah. Woo, I'm getting all the feels right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying that. That means a lot to us because we did put a lot of heart and soul into coming up with what we wanted our community to be called. And so yeah. hearing from listeners and from guests like you um, that the, the phrase feels powerful means a lot. So thank you. All right. Are you ready for some fun? See, this is my in the moment fun. Fun Bloody lightning round. <laughs> My favorite. Okay. So, what this is going to be is Abby and I will go back and forth. It's only going to be a handful of questions. It's not some like, you know, essay. And Abby and I never know what the other person's going to ask too. So, yeah. it's a lot of fun for us in the moment. Yeah. Uh, and so, and you do not have to, you know, answer like Spitfire. You can take a pause, take a breath. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm excited. All right. <laughs> All right. Yes. Bring in that energy. Okay. I'm going to go first. Okay. All right. Here we go. If you, were a pair of shoes what kind would you be and why
2: oh man oh this is a good one okay oh man i think oh man i have <laughs> two in mind and they're completely like different reason can i share the two or should i just share one
0: absolutely i want yeah. to hear them both we do okay
2: i think flip flops this one because they just hold a very special place in my heart when I was supposed to wear sneakers on hiking trips or sneakers on vacation or sneaky sneakers anywhere I would wear flip-flops because they felt more comfy on the other extreme I think like high heels like a good pair of high heels because like when you walk into a room with high heels everyone's head turns and I love those ones I'm like yeah that's right it's me and it's just sort of like <laughs> that's your shining moment like um like you're the main character of a show. Yes. <laughs> so like, again, they're like two completely different types of shoes, right? Like you never associate a flip flop with high heels, but that's just me. Like, those are my two different shoes. I love it.
1: I love it. So I'm going to improv now based on this answer. Didn't have this question written down, but, <laughs> but make the sound <laughs> of when you're entering a room, with high heels and it could be the sound of high heels or it could be like, you know, when someone enters the room and it's like, "Ah!" like (laughs) what would the sound be of you entering the room with high heels on? Okay. So start with like
2: and then people will go and I'll be like, oh yeah, that's me, it's me. And then then it'll just keep going off and people will be like,
1: damn.
2: Just like that power force, but positive power force. We want all positivity.
0: I love am it. obsessed with this answer. <laughs> yeah. This is the perfect answer because you—you didn't just give us the sound of the shoes. You gave us people's reaction sound yeah. and then what goes on in your brain, or mm-hmm. maybe even out loud. Like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah, I'm back.
2: <laughs> it just it, that it all ties together to create the the ambiance. Mm-hmm. It's like yes. it's needed.
0: <laughs> I love it. Okay. Here we go. Third question. If you could have any wild animal as a pet, what would it be?
2: Okay. Um, it's not, I love pigs. So I think I would have a pig. They're just so cute and messy. And I'm like, I'm the pig of my family. That's what my parents say. I eat messy. I just, I break everything. I'm a mess. Even though I, I got to say, I do kind of look put together today, but you in look general, beautiful. A, Thank you. <laughs> but in general, I'm a huge mess. So I really like pigs because I feel like they can just roll around in the mud without judgment. And I've always wanted to roll around in the mud without judgment. I've done it, but without judgment would be nice.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, part. yes. I think <laughs> all, at some point I w- I wouldn't want to roll around in the mud, but everyone wants to do something at some point without judgment. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah, like a pig. No one judges Judgment a pig. sucks. That's Nobody right. wants
0: judgment ever. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to...
1: I'm going to improvise again now. Oh, I like man. you going
0: first with the question. <gasps> don't get comfortable,
1: like, Abby. This isn't going to be every week. <laughs> no. So so if you were to get your pig, what would be your pig's full name? First, middle, and last. And maybe they have hyphenated, who knows what it is.
2: <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard one. So I wanted to do it um, somewhat confusing. I don't know about middle name. Or even last name. I guess I, I still want to just take my last name, which is Prasad. But I'd like to confuse people and call it like cat <laughs> or like dog or puppy. I'll be like, oh, come meet puppy. they are like, oh my God, yeah. And it will be like a big a fat face. And they'll be like, what is this?
0: So that's my idea of a little Love joke. It. Yeah. Amazing. Obsessed. Well done with the confusion. I'm all about it. Okay. Yeah. Final question for me What is your favorite word? really like the word um like i like phrases
2: like like what are you talking about like in that very like jersey new york accent like anything in that accent.
0: what are you talking about don't talk to me like that (laughs)
2: exactly like that
1: all right what is a summer activity you enjoy
2: Summer activity I enjoy. I love water. So anything, jumping into a pool, jumping into the lake, jumping into the ocean,
0: anything where I can swim, I will do it. Love it. So many good answers. Yeah, Yeah. As if you weren't impressive enough, I want you, I can't wait for you to tell everybody about um, Circle of Giving.
2: Yes, of course. So Circle of Giving is my venture, and our mission is to promote economic independence for underserved indigenous and local artisans. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're working with Champakna Artisans in South India. Chanpatna, the art from Chanpatna, I have a huge personal and cultural connection to it. Um, I think I mentioned before, my parents are from India and my family are, um, and my grandparents have grown up wearing their jewelry and playing with their toys. My parents have, and even growing up here, I have. So um, when we found out that their art form is dying, one of the reasons being due to the COVID-19, but also because of um, competition with mass-produced cheaper imitations, Um, Circle of Giving, my organization wanted to do something. So what we do is we buy their art, uh, mark up the price, sell in the United States, and give a portion of the proceeds back to the community. Mm. Um, So a little bit about the art, which I think is super cool. It's handcrafted, and I have some here. I don't know if viewers can see this, but uh, it's handcrafted, a lot of the designs um, either are like solid like this or have like a very nature design, nature-inspired, like this has like flowers and it's all made out of vegetable dye, which is really cool. And it's like very vibrant. So you wouldn't even expect it's out of vegetable dye. Um, So taking that into account, I realized like, kind of tying it back to anxiety, I know a lot of their knickknacks, and even though I'm wearing their jewelry, this helps too, but they have keychains and stackers that they have, it really helped me during the pandemic when I was at my lowest points. Mm. Um, so I thought I could help other people as well. So not only can people buy this, but Circle of Givings China trying to host workshops. Um, t- not only the first part, will be talking about the the Artisans and what we do, um, and then the second part would be having an interactive. So for example, with the bracelets, we would focus more on introspection and taking into account the colors and the textures and the patterns. Mm. Um, to really, uh, one of the exercises is uh, word or not word, but um, picture association mm-hmm. um, versus like the keychain, since they have a little more playful nature, um, it'd be crafting stories around the keychain. Um, so that's sort of what we're trying to do. And I think uh, one of the things it really, really helped me during my time um, and helped me with my mindfulness. And like I said before, art can really help help me and helps a lot of people um, with their anxiety as well. And this is just one of the ways which um, this, art is, uh, this art can, and it'd be helping an artisanal group in India too. So it's like a, a positive on the people who are getting it and then the positive for the artisanal community as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the the jewelry is stunning. I I um, I love the Instagram account. Everyone needs to go and follow immediately. Uh, Circle of Giving on Instagram, and we're going to be tagging you and all of the good stuff on the gram when, mm-hmm. you know, when this episode drops. And wow, what an impressive and important uh, venture. And <sighs> I think that everyone should jump on board. I know I'm going to be getting a piece for myself. I think it's beautiful, and I love the mission. Um, Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned um, just like
2: about the tagging and everything, because also what we're doing is um, for all the viewers out there, we're offering free consultations as well for people. Um, I know in India, like when we went uh, shopping, the actual salesperson would sit down with us and show us all like the different jewelry or clothes and make sure we found the one that really fits with us. Sometimes we wouldn't even expect it and we'd find the perfect one that they would show. Um, And then also on another note, we just launched our Etsy today. So that's super exciting
0: too. So definitely check that out. Love it. Before we hop off, can you please let us know if you have a win of the week?
2: Yes, um, actually... Um, one of the things that I did for the first time was I actually went to a nice tea place. Um, it was like a cafe, a cafe, but all they sold was tea. And I sat down and I just read a book. I didn't do any work. I just read and finished my book. And I've never done that before because I've always been ang- anxious about being by myself. I mean, there was someone with me, but they left, um, my friend. But being by myself, but like, this sounds so like, so weird, but buying the tea by myself, even though I do it by myself, but it's like, and reading and not doing any work and just enjoying the moment. I'd never done that. And it just felt so good to do that. And I'm definitely going to do that again. That's
0: Amazing. Tea. That sounds yeah. like a wonderful oh, so <laughs> nice. afternoon or just experience. I I'm a big tea drinker here and a big reader, so I can appreciate both of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Anvitha Prasad, for hanging out with us. You are just a light and a joy. And I can't wait for all of the amazing warriors out there to hear your story. And uh, we are so grateful that you were willing to share it with us.
2: Thanks so much for having me, guys. I had so much fun. Uh, Can't wait to listen
0: to this episode. Yay. Yay. We can't wait for that either. All right. Have a great one. Yep. That was just way too much fun really, when that conversation with Anvita. <laughs> she is just, she's just so joyful and yeah. young and yes. spirited. It just comes through in her energy. I just, oh, such a doll.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And also just her willing to play with us during the lightning round. Like I always appreciate when someone's willing to go on that journey with us.
0: Yes. And she didn't appear that worked up about it either. Like when we told her, (laughs) all right, it's going to be lightning round. She's kind of just like game and game face on ready to go, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, One of my takeaways from uh, listening to this episode was just how self-aware Anvita is. Yeah. I, I 100% agree.
1: And like, you know, I, I, I don't want to make it about age. Right. But also like, there was a part of me that was like, wow, if I had these tools when I was 20, like who would I be now? Right. Cause I didn't find them until like almost a decade later. Well, you know, a little, a little bit older. Later. A little yeah. Bit later than and, 20. and so like just talking to her and hearing the, the strategies she uses um, and her self-awareness and her self-reflection just really gave me hope and inspiration for our future. Um, because it sounds like, like people are getting these tools younger and things like anxiety are being talked about more and there's, there's more help available.
0: So that gave me some, some hope for sure. And I just love the mission around circle of giving and, uh, I am, I am a little envious of that, that energy. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm. Right. And I don't
0: think there's anything wrong with admitting that either. And it's, it's actually, I feel a little bit spark in my belly. Like what else can I be doing yeah. uh, to improve the lives of other people, which will then fill fill me up and serve me in a lot of important ways too. And it sounds like, um, the mission helps her a lot and grounds her right. th- through her anxiety too.
1: Right. Right. By giving to others, she's giving to herself. And it's like this circle, circle of giving, but, Mm -hmm. but in this way of that's just like nourishing, um, something else that really stuck out in the conversation, um, was, was her, like when she spoke about the pressures of school, um, and the fear of, of trying new things because she wasn't going to be as good as others. And I just feel like that is so relatable. Um, And and fortunately there has been like research around fixed mindset and growth mindset and helping people understand that we're always learning and growing. Um, But I just thought that was such an important point especially for anyone that's listening that's like a teacher in the school or a parent um, is how do we unconsciously uh, put these pressures on our students and how do we unconsciously um, put competition among peers right like these kids should learn how to be each other's community and source of support but when they're told only a certain amount of people get into college only a certain amount of people succeed they they turn against their own peers which can be very isolating and lonely um, and so I just thought that that was um, a really important thing to to consider is just um, when we're working with children like how do we nourish them and how do we, how do we teach them to connect with community and use their community as a source of support rather than a source of competition?
0: Absolutely, I completely agree, and I do think it is a very relatable part of her story. Uh, additionally, I, I kind of, I really loved the piece about um, how she kind of reframed what competition meant to her, though yeah. too, right? Because yeah. uh, at one point, I feel like I had said you know kind of like what you were just saying right like we don't need all this competition we should be able to stand on the shoulders of our support system and our community sometimes when we need it um but she kind of reframed what competition means to her uh in a really interesting way too so i kind of appreciated that reframe for myself it was like i i always look at competition as it's immediately a bad thing right mm-hmm. or not necessarily bad i guess i shouldn't say bad but it's It's not something that sits right with me in my own heart. And so I've already kind of have this internal view of what competition is and and what it feels like from based on my own experience or lack thereof. And so I appreciated getting that different perspective from her, somebody who is naturally competitive and you can be a competitive person without it being completely debilitating to you too. Right.
1: Right. Right. It's the finding that balance and then finding those strategies to support you during yeah, all of that. So it doesn't burn you out.
0: And the selfish part of me just really loved the part about how, sh- how much she loved the phrase anxiety warrior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, it just felt so good to hear her say that because that's what we want. That's what we want to do here uh, is, is band together. We want to be that community, that support for fellow anxiety warriors there. Exactly. So It made my heart so super jumpy and happy when she had said that and re-listening to it just made me really, really stoked. Yeah. All right, warriors. Well, we want to thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We love you. Uh, We want to hear from you. Please feel free to send us your wins of the week. If you think you'd be a great guest on the pod, shoot us an email, uh, DM us on Instagram on Instagram. We're at anxiety warriors podcast, and you can email us at anxiety warriors at gmail.com. And we look forward to talking to you next week.
1: Yes. Thank you all so much for going on this journey with us. We love
0: you. Love you Till next time.